time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Hey, welcome to the podcast. This is the Thrivology Podcast. This is the podcast designed to help you thrive no matter what life throws your way. And that really is kind of the topic of today's conversation about kind of the steps to get to thriving. Because thriving, as it turns out, isn't our naturally default state. Uh, We have to kind of move ourselves there in conscious ways. The reason is because we have a basic need that has to be addressed before we can move into the next phase. And that phase has to be addressed before we can move into the other phase of thriving. So today I just kind of want to talk through those uh, just to give you some, some markers for yourself and to understand that every shift from the basic point is a choice we make. And it moves us into a new phase of life and a new understanding of life. So let's talk about that most basic, and that is survival or survive. We have to survive in order to move on through. So let's kind of think back on our our heritage into ancient times when our ancestors were trying to make it through much more difficult times than we have now. Wherever it was, on the savanna, in the jungle, you know, on the mountains, wherever we have pushed, we have always been pushing into new areas where we have to once again learn to survive. That's the basic level. If you don't survive, the next generation can't make it through. In fact, your genes are here because your ancestors managed to survive. They're really good at surviving. And there's one key element to survival. And that is that you've got to figure out how to deal with the threats, how to stay alive. You've got to be alive in order to survive. And so as we have learned to survive, we are then uh, free to move into new areas, but not until we survive. This is kind of that basic level. If you're familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, his basic bottom point is that you have to have food and shelter and safety in order to move anywhere else. So you have to be at a survival place before you can move to the next levels of that hierarchy. It makes sense. I mean, it's very hard to be thinking about bigger things or how to enjoy life or how to make a meaningful life or how to make a difference in the world if you're starving and at risk at all times. If you don't have a water supply or food supply or safety, it's going to be very hard to figure out how to to move to that next level. Part of the reason that it uh, it makes sense is because that's the basic wiring of our brain. Our brain is constantly looking for threats. That's a very important function. When you're out on the savanna, when you're in the jungle, when you're climbing the mountains, when you're in the desert, wherever you might be, you need to be aware of the threats around you. It's part of what our brain does naturally though. You will probably walk around at times, you know, seeing possibilities and threats. If you're walking downtown and, and you see that dark alley and, and you see that there might be a shadow in there, you automatically go on alert or you should go on alert. You likely go on alert, even though that shadow might just be a shadow, a bag of trash. The same if you're walking in the woods, 
you know, you, you hear something rustle and you automatically go on alert. At least I know I do when I'm running in the woods and I hear a big rustle on the side. It might be a tiny little squirrel, but it makes enough noise that I have to look over and see if I'm at risk automatically. I don't have to say, oh, I think I better check that out. My brain automatically points to that, looks at it, checks it out. Your daily life, when you need nutrients, even more often than you need nutrients, your body tells you it's hungry, right? We kind of know based on our uh, ancient genes that our body would love to eat more than it needs because it knows there might not be enough tomorrow. So we have a tendency to kind of take in more calories than we necessarily need as a survival mechanism. If I've got more in me now, when there is a lean time tomorrow, I'm better prepared. So if you, your body just naturally doesn't like to eat, doesn't like to look at food, isn't excited by food, then when you arrive at tomorrow and there is no food, your body doesn't have you know, a storage. Now, for most of us, tomorrow's food is kind of taken care of. That's not true for our ancestors. So they had to be ready for the famine that might hit or the delay in food that might be there the next day. So our body naturally craves more calories than it needs. Our mouth goes dry when it's time to drink. In fact, we still have a surplus in our body when we're thirsty, but it's important for us to keep that topped off because that's important to survival. And so our body is naturally functioning on a survival mechanism. If you walk into a cold room, your body tries to keep you at a certain temperature. If you walk into a hot room or go outside or wherever you are, your body tries to cool itself down to a certain temperature. It keeps it within a range that is safe. If something gets into your body that is dangerous, your body naturally fights it off. That's, that's how we're built. So that our, at our basic level, we're working on a survival mechanism. Our brain, our body, our whole physiology is based on allowing us to make sure that we survive. Now, that's an important factor. The problem is many times we find ourselves stuck in survival mode when it's not necessary. For instance, our body's natural desire to add extra calories in begins to fight against our survival and begins to threaten our health if we follow that too often. Are the same if we start ignoring uh, the other sides in our body of, of things. Like if we say, oh, I'm, I'm just not going to drink water, that's going to be at a risk. It's possible to drink too much water, but our body naturally gets rid of that pretty easily. And so all of our mechanisms are there and they serve us well, but they also keep us stuck in survival mode. If your brain is constantly looking for the threats it's constantly responding to possible threats, to perceived threats, even though the possibility may be very low. For instance, you might have the same reaction you would if somebody on the street was approaching you in a threatening way when you get to the office and a boss or a coworker is fussing about something. You can feel your body go in automatic survival mode. It's ready to defend itself. One of the things I've noticed in our culture right now is that many people have hunkered down into survival mode. They're in constant states of fear and threat, even if there isn't an immediate fear or threat. We've created a culture that's based in fear, and that keeps us stuck at survival mode. Which brings us to the next layer up. The next layer up is 
if you go from survive, the next one is live. I guess if I wanted to make it rhyme, it would be live. But we've got to be, you got to live. And that's the intermediary. And when you're living, you're dealing with the daily. You know, you're getting through the day. You're making ends meet. Uh, and maybe you're even improving it and, and maybe even have some hopes for something bigger down the road. But a lot of people feel like they're just kind of slowly plodding through life. So the live place, the living is based in that place where, you know, we get to a comfort. And the comfort area is kind of nice, right? We feel like everything's around us. we got people we like. And so if you think back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right above surviving is the place where we begin to find people that are like us, people around us, to be comfortable. We know our people, family, tribe, country, county, whatever it is, the groupings that you have around you are your comfort level. You've divided the world into the friends and the enemies as you're, you're living, those who are with you and those who are in your way. Because at that point, we're looking to be more comfortable. I mean, that's the point in that mid place where it's more comfortable. So you, you may be going to a job that you don't love the job, but it keeps you comfortable. You, know, you get the paycheck, you, you have that. Or maybe you're in a, in a relationship and you haven't worked to make it great because it's good enough. And so the place in the middle is about good enough. You don't want to rock the boat on some things because you don't want to drop back to that other place where it might be a threat. And a lot of times people find themselves living in this place of comfort. I've watched as people have kind of followed their career path and when they're in the live part, they often go for the comfortable jobs, the, know, the ones they know they can master. And they begin to work from places of comfort. You know, they don't challenge themselves too much because the challenges can, can feel like survival, even though they're not. It can make us feel like we're back to survival place. When I was teaching in graduate school, it was a seminary. And so I watched as many people were coming from careers that they had decided they wanted to go into ministry from those careers. They'd had great careers in terms of uh, having a lifestyle and having a paycheck and all of those things. But at some point, they realized that there was something else calling them. What was calling to them was something beyond just the life, the live. They had their family, had a comfortable house, could pay the bills, all those pieces. And now they were realizing that there seemed like there was something missing. You see, what happens when we're at the live point is that we can check all the boxes of comfort. We've got the food we need, the shelter we need, the safety we need, the people around us that we love. It's comfortable. The danger in comfortable is thinking that's it. Even though for most people, there's something inside going, no, there's got to be something else. There's got to be something more. There's something that's pulling me forward to something deeper and more meaningful. Many times for people that happens at midlife. For some people it happens younger. But at some point you realize the box is being checked off. We're fine, but there are some other boxes that begin to appear, that begin to call you. And that's the box that pulls us to thrive. We go from surviving to living to thriving if we keep following that, that yearning, if there's something deeper calling us. You see, the survival is always trying to get away from something. 
It's trying to stay safe from the risk, get away from hunger, get away from thirst, get away from the threat of no safety, get away from the enemies, get away from anything that can threaten us. Living is about finding the place where you don't have to get away anymore. You're there. You you got to this place where there's comfort. You can check the boxes off. You can feel good about where you are. And then there's something else that you want to move towards. And that's the gap between living and thriving. Because when we are thriving, we're pulled towards a goal. If survival is avoiding something and living is hanging out, kind of pausing in that place in between, thriving is being called to something else. Surviving to thriving, there's a great place in there to live and to be comfortable and to have taken care of everything, but there's something else calling you. Something calling you to something bigger. Something calling you to something more deep. Something that just kind of quietly creeps behind you saying, what is this all about? How can this matter? You know, a lot of people get to this place and they decide that it's about nothing. They get hopeless. Part of what the trap of living can be is that hopelessness. So I'm here to tell you that there is something else on the other side. That's what thriving is about. Thriving is about having that goal. It's really, in some ways, a philosophy of approaching things, of, of, let's say, approaching even a struggle. Now, first of all, I want to make sure that you recognize that I'm not minimizing there might be some threats still around you. You, you could have a real health crisis where you really are struggling to survive, or you might have a financial catastrophe that leaves you really struggling to you know, keep moving forward. Usually those those struggles aren't life or death. They, they can feel like it. Certainly the health ones are, but relational ones and financial ones aren't really life or death, even if it feels like it. Now, the reason it feels like it is because that, that part of our brain that thinks that everything is a mortal risk is activated in those times. But I've noticed as people have come through financial crises, they often move through it to a different place. They often are fine getting through there or people who have been through a relationship crisis, whether the relationship um, survives or not, they survive. Even if it feels like a mortal risk, it rarely is. But what I notice is it's how people orient towards the struggle. Can I take on that struggle? Can I learn from that struggle? Can I find something deeper in the struggle? And that's regardless of what the struggle is. So yes, there are times when, for instance, a health crisis may come along and we are struggling to keep our life, but then I know people who take it one step further and say, what does this have to tell me? I'll tell you for myself. When I was diagnosed with an autoimmune issue uh, years ago, it was an illness that the doctor said, first of all, you'll be disabled. And then as we read, we realized that second of all, it would eventually kill me. Now, I don't have that issue anymore. Uh, The illness resolved itself not with disability, and it didn't kill me, but it sure taught me a lot. Because suddenly I was faced with a couple of facts around me. First of all, I had not taken care of myself. I learned that very quickly. So I had to change how I treated my body, the body that would carry me from here to my grave, 
for as long and as well as I could, I needed to take care of it. The second thing I learned is that as much as I had been learning about helping people to thrive, I had not been applying it in my life. I had not been taking on challenges. I had not been looking for what's the, di- the bigger issue, the deeper project, the more meaningful piece. I had not looked for how I could be of maximum impact in the world. Those questions I'd filed away because I was comfortable. I was living. But I realized that I suddenly was in bonus time. That's a time I didn't think I would have. When I was in the middle of the illness and the doctor said, yep, disability is where you're headed, I couldn't understand how I could be any worse off. I was barely making it through the day. And so as it resolved itself, I suddenly realized that I had a certain amount of time, my bonus time, to figure out what to do to make my life as important as possible to me and to make an impact in other people's lives. That's when I began to realize I was stepping into thriving because now I was looking for what is the challenge I need to take on to get to the next place. Thriving is about taking on challenges to learn from them, to grow from them, and because that's how we get to be our our best self. If I want to be in shape, I go to the gym and challenge my body so that my body grows stronger. If I want to be emotionally in shape, I take on the emotional challenges and learn from them so my emotions are stronger, my character is stronger when I go through those tough times and I face them straight on. This is the switch from comfort, which is living, to purpose, which is thriving. We have to step across that because comfort may not offer a whole lot of purpose. A lot of people I worked with were realizing that they had built a comfortable life, but they wanted a purposeful life. They wanted to mean something to them, and that's when they were making the change. They were making that switch to something else. So the switch from Living to thriving is about switching from comfort to purpose. It's a search for meaning. And what I've realized is meaning usually derives from us having a sense of purpose. The purpose is our external action, what we're moving towards. The meaning is our internal reading of what that's about, why it matters. Purpose is what matters that we do. Meaning is why it matters to us, why that strikes that deeper place. It's sometimes about hope, hope of what your life could be, what others' lives could be, what the world could be like if we moved in a better direction. So we find that, that meaning, but it's always a search. We're never going to arrive at the final place. We keep finding deeper places of meaning. It's also focused on being of positive impact. One of the things that was a recurring theme when I was working with people in, that, in the graduate school and the seminary was their realization that their company may not have been really out for a positive impact as much as a profit. Sometimes those happen the same way, right? There, there, there can be companies, plenty of companies, that both make a positive impact in the world and make a profit. But there are also places, and people had realized, that they were working somewhere that wasn't really making a positive impact. It may not have been making a negative impact, but it sure wasn't making a positive impact in the world, and they realized that that was a call for them. So they began to be oriented around making a positive impact. I believe that it is unavoidable that we humans will create an impact. That, that's what we humans do. Wherever you walk, you create an impact. We build buildings. We make an impact. We 
create all of these toys and, and fun stuff we have, it creates an impact in the world. And the question is, positive impact or negative impact? Humans have this uh, tendency to often default to the negative. You know, we drag our friends down into bad habits. We drag ourselves down into bad habits, making a negative impact in our lives and other people's lives. When we're not focused, we often stumble into those negative impacts. But we have a choice. The thriving choice is to say, I want to make a positive impact. I want to leave the world at a better place. As soon as we make that shift, something happens in our lives. We suddenly find more and more places to make it a positive impact. And you don't have to go very far to look for it. Parenting, for me, is about making a positive impact in that child's life. It's not just, you, many people would say, oh, I'm parenting. You know, I'm doing the best I can. And if the question changes to how do I make a positive impact in that child's life, it's not just about surviving as a parent. It begins to be something deeper, a purposeful way of moving through that. One big thing that I see as a difference when you notice the switch is survival is based in scarcity. There's not enough when you're looking at survival. There's a risk. There's somebody's trying to take something from you or you don't have enough of what you need. There's a scarcity mentality. And our brain can often default to scarcity if we're not careful. When you look at living, it's often about comfort. So there's scarcity, then there's comfort. But then there's another place we step into when we're stepping into that thriving which is about abundance, to realize that there is so much around us and so many opportunities around us and so many ways we can be helpful that we are suddenly aware of the abundance that surrounds us all. We're not focused on the little bit of scarcity, but about the abundance that is all around us all the time. I invite you to question where you are on that journey. If you're in survival mode, to ask the question, is it real survival? Am I really at that place of survival? And if you are, that's where you need to focus your energy. Or you might ask, am I at the place of living where I've got a place of comfort? And that comfort is great. It's a great place to retool. But maybe you say it's a time to thrive. Maybe it's time to step in and ask, how do I build that thriving life? That's kind of been my focus for a while now. And out of that comes two books. One is my book, Thrive Principles. Thrive Principles is 15 strategies for building your thriving life. It's kind of how to build your thriving life, what to do to build that thriving life. You can find out more about that by going to thethriveprinciples.com, thethriveprinciples.com. My latest book that came out last month is The Immutable Laws of Living. Those are 16 laws that we often break without realizing it. These are the what places we get stuck. And so this is the book about what not to do, how to get away from those stuck places into something new, how to abide by or how to follow those laws so that life flows better for you and you can move easily into that thriving life. If that's of interest to you, you can check that out by going to theimmutablelawsofliving.com, theimmutablelawsofliving.com. And if you're driving along right now, listen to this and going, oh, I can't remember that. It's real easy. Go to ineedthatbook.com, ineedthatbook.com, and that'll tell you how to uh, get hold of, of that book so that you can build your thriving life. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you build your thriving life.
been listening to the Thrivology Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at Thrivology.com or at ThrivologyMagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T-H-R-I-V-E-O-L-O-G-Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Thank you.